Hey there, Omaha. Welcome into another episode of Restaurant Hoppin'. I'm your host, Dan Hoppin', and this episode is brought to you by my sponsor, Certified Piedmontese. I have a great offer for you, so stick around later in the episode. I want to get that to you. But first, let's get to my guest today. We are going to dive into the world of crepes. Now, I assume when most of you listeners hear that, your mind immediately goes to breakfast. And honestly, before I had the chance to visit Sofra Creperie, Mine really did too, but now that I've been to the Anna Rail Food Hall several times and gotten the chance to experience the flavors that are coming out of this kitchen, yes, breakfast is part of what crepes can be, but limiting it to breakfast, like it, crepes are just, they're so, so much more, and we get to dive into that today with the owners of Sofa Crepery. I have Chris Lemlika and Nils Jocha with me today. Guys, welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you, Dan. Thank you for hosting us. Of course. It's my pleasure. So before we get started, because we got multiple voices going on here, I would love for each of you guys to introduce yourselves individually, just so listeners know who's speaking when, when they hear you. Sounds good. Um, so I'm Nils. I uh, have been in Omaha for over 20 years now, uh, but immigrated from, from Eastern Europe, from Albania to be exact. Uh, went through Ralston Middle School, Ralston High School, and then off to Creighton afterwards uh, for a bachelor's and a master's degree. And then, um, you know, I've had several jobs throughout the years, a lot of experiences, a lot of traveling. Uh, and um, uh, this has been a great opportunity to to connect with, with my cousin Chris um, and uh, start this new venture, venture in, in Omaha that has been um, very well received uh, by the community and um, uh, something that uh, we looked forward to. It was in the planning for, for quite some time uh, until it actually happened. Uh, and so, you know, glad to be here today with you. Yeah, uh, hi, I'm Chris, and uh, I've been in Omaha for two and a half years now. Uh, I've been working with crepes since I was 15 on my home country, Albania. And then I met with Nils like three years ago, and we we decided to make Sofra happening. So, And here we are, doing crepes in Omaha. It's, it's <laughs> awesome. I'm really excited to dive into the genesis of Sofra and how it came to be, but I think the place where we have to start is really just defining what a crepe is because I think a lot of people listening to this might not have experienced it or have pretty limited experience. I think if most people were asked to define a crepe, they would say it's a thin pancake, which is not necessarily wrong, but I think describing it like that kind of limits what a crepe actually is. So I'm just going to open it up to you guys. How would you define a crepe? So, as you said, it's nothing wrong calling it a thin pancake, right? But, but that's not the whole when story. When you think, yeah, when you think of pancakes, you think like uh, just sweet stuff and limited ideas, as you said. But when you do a crepe, you can you can fill it with whatever comes to your mind. Like you can do a pizza crepe, you can do a salmon crepe, and all this stuff. Plus the pancakes as well. You can do sweet crepes and all that. Well, yeah, I think you brought up a great point there and that crepes usually, I mean, when you think of pancakes, you got a stack of pancakes, mm-hmm. a bunch of syrup on top, you're eating them with a knife and a fork. Crepes are much larger and then they're rolled or folded and then stuffed with either sweet or savory ingredients and a lot of times eaten more like on the go, kind of like a sandwich, right? That, that was our idea when we opened Omaha. 
Uh, it's been some difficulties there where we try to teach people how to eat them because they want to try and do fork and knives as, <laughs> as they are used to, right? But our, our crepes are more fast casual. Just grab it, pick it up and do some bites. And yeah. that, that's, that's the way it's easier. Mm-hmm. And especially with Chris's recipe um, of being a neutral batter, so not not sweet, not not uh, salty either. You can combine it with either you know sweet ingredients, or you can combine it with savory ingredients, and that's what's worked really well for us, especially um, savory crepes. Which you know some people are surprised when they see them on the menu. Well, I didn't know that crepes were savory. And, um, you know, with a thin batter, um, once it's folded, you can taste those ingredients a lot more than you would in a sandwich because you've got so much breading uh, in a sandwich. Um, And so that's what's been eye-opening for some people and uh, have brought them back um, to us time Mm -hmm. and time again. So, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that the idea of the crepe just kind of being this blank canvas like it's a really good Mm -hmm. kind of pocket for whatever ingredients you want to put into it but unlike like you said like a sandwich or even a pita pocket the the casing the bread if you will is much less prevalent and it allows the ingredients on the inside to shine a lot more and that's i think one of the most amazing things that i find about crepes is their versatility and we kind of talked about this Mm -hmm. a little bit but i mean you find so few food items that are able to run just the entire gamut of flavors when you look from the most savory to the most Mm -hmm. sweet of things crepes can kind of hit that entire spectrum what makes them so incredibly versatile i i don't know as you said the the thin the thin layer of dough makes feel like make the the ingredients itself shine as you said so it's easy to to fill it up with whatever you you think of and you'll feel just the ingredient and uh, that thin layer of of dough but i don't know it's i I think it's it's brought a lot of people away from from the pizzas and the burgers and sandwiches they're used to on a a daily basis and um you know chris has done a great job um at the crepery um building up a lot of return customers that uh want those flavors uh and and they come back to it um and you know when you compare it to in europe they're they're quite popular obviously people eat the pizzas and the sandwiches of the world uh but crepes are a lot more popular than they are here uh it's a lot more versatile and a lot more um grab and go type of you know you can eat in the car you can eat in the office you can eat it standing up um it doesn't really matter and it's uh, that's why they've gotten so popular there. Uh, just that, you know, that fast lifestyle that everybody's been chasing uh, the last couple of decades. And um, uh, that's why we wanted to, to introduce it to Omaha. Um, I believe we're the only, um, you know, storefront that is a crepery. Um, uh, obviously, there's some food trucks out there and stuff that, uh, that are also delicious. Um, but... Uh, you know, it's been it's been received very well at the Interrail Food Hall, and it was a, a really good first step for us uh, into the U.S. market and the Omaha market. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to give a couple examples of the crepes that you have, just so people can have an idea in their mind if they haven't visited yet. Like 
some of your popular ones, chicken pesto. You have a lox mm-hmm. crepe that kind of plays off of the it's ideas so of bagels and lox. It's my personal <laughs> it's favorite. So good. <laughs> it's it's amazing. Chicken Caesar. There's a Mediterranean one. Even a peanut butter and jelly crepe. And you also have breakfast, and you mentioned the dessert crepes uh, earlier as well. How many of these are, I guess when you look at your menu, how much of the menu is comprised of like classic flavors that you might find in Eastern Europe in a crepery versus taking the concept of a crepery and kind of Americanizing some of the recipes? What's that balance on the menu? I would say it's like 50-50. Yeah. So 50% is like Americanized and 50% comes from come from Mr. Europe, our home, like the Mediterranean and chicken Caesar, chicken pesto, and then you have the soca, lox, and all that, all the other menu items that we just Americanize them. Just like take a crepe, as you said, blank canvas, and fill it up with what American people like. Yeah, it was a long well, conversation. Well, all my likes, yeah. <laughs> it was a long conversation yeah. with Chris and I <laughs> building that menu uh, before, uh, before we even signed a contract. Um, you know, to be at the inner rail and, uh, you know, how do you balance out what he's used to, uh, back in Europe at the time and with what I was used to for living in Omaha for 20 years, you know? And so I think, you know, um, we came to a good conclusion with the menu that we have now, obviously, you know, as, as times go on, we need to look at, um, either revising, adding, taking things out and such. Uh, but all the items have been great sellers, honestly. So as you had that initial conversation and you're trying to find that balance between traditional and Americanized versions, how, how do you like how do you start coming to conclusions on what's going to be included and what's not? Because Chris, you even mentioned a couple minutes ago, like pizza crepe. You don't have a pizza crepe on your yeah, menu. That, that's one are, that might have been a little too far. <laughs> it's super are, good, by the way. Uh, we are working on some items that we need to to streamline everything because gotcha. it's difficult on the small space to streamline all the ingredients and everything. So we've been working with some different crepes and special crepes. We might put some on the menu this summer, but we don't know yet because, as I said, we have to streamline because when it gets busy, mm-hmm. we don't want to get stuck or make lines uh, wait for crepes and all. Right, because you're cooking them all to order. Yeah, they are all made to order. Yep, so. you can, like, it's just open. Like, when an, if I place my order, I can take two steps to the right, and I can watch you yes. pour the batter <laughs> and use the dowel and everything. Yeah. Yeah, I can watch you put the ingredients in, stuff it, the whole process right there. It's really cool. Yeah. So, anyway, take me back to that original conversation. Like, what were... What, what what was that discussion like? I don't know. Sis Nils has been in Omaha longer, way longer than me. He knows what people eat here, what do people like, and uh, we try to put things as classics, right? Like a classic club, like tomatoes, lettuce, and bacon with turkey. So we put that in a crepe. We tried it. It was really delicious. So we put it on the menu. <laughs> and then so on. Just trying different stuff, how it went together, and... If we liked it, we put it in the menu. It's sometimes yep. it was a hit and miss with some crepes that we had to remove from the menu that were too complicated to make them, make our work a little bit difficult. So we had to remove them. And we kept the most popular ones, like the Sokel, for example, bacon, egg, and uh, ranch. That's one of the most popular ones. But it was revised for the American menu. We don't have that crepe in 
in our home country in Albania. So. Yeah, and I gotta say, I mean, the the sky's the limit with the crepes, as you, s- you said earlier. If you look at Chris's menu at the shop that he was running, uh, the several shops that he was running uh, back in Europe, uh, I don't know, thirty items <laughs> probably that you can choose from. Even some sweet ones that we can't really serve here just yet with Bailey's or Kahlua or you know some uh, some of those that sweet alcohol that that you can drizzle on there and. Um, serve as a as a Bailey's crepe, you know, and you know, probably not a lot of people have tried something like that here in the states. Sounds good. Yeah, it is. The, it is open to <laughs> it when that does become yeah. available. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you guys have kind of three different sections of the menu. You've got breakfast crepes, you've got savory crepes that are more lunch and dinner, and then you've got the sweet crepes. Is there a certain part of that menu that tends to draw customers more? Actually, right now is the breakfast menu. Really, people yep. going crazy for breakfast. breakfast I, I can attest breakfast. the breakfast crepes are awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what people I think they are used to think of a crepe as a breakfast item. That's why they attract so much so much people. So, for example, on a Saturday or on a Sunday, we get like slammed with breakfast orders. They are really good. That's why. But uh, <laughs> yeah. so we are working on learning people that the crepe is not like only a thing to eat on a on a weekend basis like or they need to mm-hmm. we need to learn them how to how to eat a crepe on like let's say a monday morning or a monday lunchtime because that's what they are they they think of crepes like as you said breakfast morning Brunch, and yeah. mm-hmm. we're trying to change that it's difficult but it will take some time and i i think we can we can do that yeah, it's a, it's such an easy product to take to the office or, um, you know, at home or wherever. Um, it's easy, easy to carry, easy to eat. Um, no need for utensils or anything like that. So, um, and healthier. Um, you know, it's a lot less carbs than a sandwich is. Um, you've got a lot of good ingredients in there. Uh, the chicken that we use, for example, is is boiled, uh, and then it's it's uh, shredded. Um, so having shredded chicken in there with avocado and some of the other ingredients, tomatoes and cucumbers, uh, you're talking, you know, with a thin combined with a thin batter that's low in carbs, you're talking, you know, pretty healthy alternative to the the sandwiches and, and the pizzas of the world. Mm-hmm. So, and I think it's it's an attention grabbing thing. Like you guys have mentioned it so many times already. Like so much of this is just awareness is getting people exactly. to understand what crepes are when they should be eaten like i remember i i went a couple weeks ago and and got a couple and took them back to the office and was just eating them around and i got like three or four people that were just like man what what is is that that? (laughs) what do you got there (laughs) and then you know as i explain it to them they're like oh that's a great idea why have i never seen that before so so much of it is just kind of letting people even if they're not eating it but just kind of experience it even with their eyes for the first time and then it's like oh I can go get it. Crazy. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what ingredients were in the most delicious crepe you guys have ever had? So for me, <laughs> that's a tough one. It's a tough one. Yeah. I eat all kinds of crepes, but uh, for me it was, it was a sweet one. So it has milk, chocolate, strawberries, kiwis, pineapple, graham crackers, and Bailey's. <laughs> that's, that's a really good one. That's, I, I love that crepe. I do them to my... We have some regulars back at, back home country. So in Albania, we have some regulars that ask only for that crepe. They tried it only once, but they keep coming for that. So 
I love that one. I love that one. Chocolate, fruit, and alcohol. That's, yeah. that's a, that's a <laughs> good yeah. combo. It's a good yeah. Valentine's Day combo yeah. right there. Uh, for me, I'd have to say the breakfast ones are delicious, not going to lie. Um, but that lox one just gets me every time. Uh, it's simple, very few ingredients. Um, and obviously, it depends on personal taste. But uh, And the sweet ones uh, are just, you know, we, at, the, at Sofra, we use... Uh, imported uh, Belgian chocolate uh, and uh, milk chocolate, and it's it is to die for. I mean, it's some of the best chocolate to exist. And when you put it in a, in a crepe, and you can fill it with whatever, with peanut butter, and it's. Uh, I think you've tried that one, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the, I think it's even called the Elvis, but yeah, it's got uh, peanut butter, the chocolate, and then bananas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's incredible, <laughs> yeah. incredible. So, uh, so Chris, you mentioned you've been making crepes since you're since you were 15 years old yep how long did it take you to master that process because it to someone who hasn't made crepes it looks complicated <laughs> i'm guessing it now is. that you've done it so many times maybe it's a little bit easier but how, how did you learn how so to do it for me it's easy but like for some people it's easy when they watch it because it's really simple right you have that small stick and you just turn it off and you do the crepe but when you try it, it's more difficult than you think because it's like the dough goes everywhere. And for me to master it, it took like a year working only on like opening a crepe, not even filling it. So just working on crepes and wow. mastering it. And that's a difficult part here in Omaha because you need to learn people how to do that. And it's been a little bit difficult with people to, to are willing to learn it and to, to work with us. So we are stuck there all day. <laughs> <laughs> Takes a lot of patience. So yeah, it, it took me a full year to, to master all that. And as I said, I've been working since I was 15. Now I'm 28. So it's been quite some time working on crepes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, even with the the heat of that plaque, you have to you have to be quick. Uh, otherwise, you're, you know, as Chris has explained it to me in the past, you're cooking different parts of it at different times if you're not spreading the crepe quickly enough um, and that messes with its consistency uh, and the end product uh, for the customer so um, you know he's done a, a f- phenomenal job uh, at mastering that and uh, um, that's why they're so good mm-hmm. <laughs> do you think that that specific skill is part of why crepes haven't taken off as much or maybe the growth has been a little bit slower in america than with Mm -hmm. some other foods because like some goober like me can go home and yeah i can throw together a sandwich in no time at all or i can cook a burger or something but i can't make my own crepe now when i go to sofra and i taste what a crepe can be i'm like yeah i'm i'm totally willing to come out and pay for this this is awesome But unless I'm being exposed to the crepe by a restaurant like mm-hmm. yours, I'm not going to get an opportunity to experience because I'm not going to go over to a friend's house and get crepes probably. Do you think that yeah. that has contributed to crepes not exploding at the scale mm-hmm. that, I mean, this is just me personally speaking, but that I think they should be? Yeah, Kind of, because also in Europe they are really spread out and popular. For example, Greece, Italy... They have some other form of, of crepes. They call them, like, not some other form, but they call them piadini. So they are kind of more popular, sweet piadinis and all that. But in Greece, 
Macedonia, Albania, all our countries, neighbor countries, they are all popular. And you can, France, Germany, Spain, they are popular. I think you are right when you say like it's difficult to master it. That's why in the U.S. hasn't spread out too much. Plus it has different forms, right? You can do them, for example, in Albania, we do them a little bit more crispier because that's how people like to eat them. But here we had to change a little bit our recipe so we can as soft as possible but still you can just pick it up and do bites but yeah i think i think probably because it's really hard to do crepes like good crepes not like just some whipped cream on top of some dough right <laughs> that's why it's not spread it so much in in the u.s but we'll try to change that I, I think it's coming, to be clear. Yeah. I, th- I think yeah. that the wave is building. It's just maybe slower than, yes. you know, some yeah. other foods that come in just because yeah. it's it, it's harder to find places and get your hands on. But yeah. when you do, then you know. Yeah. Now, you said something really interesting there, Chris. You said yeah. that when you came here, you wanted to make the crepes a little bit softer. And in Albania, you have them crispier. Like, how, how did you figure that out? How do you find out that information? Mostly people, like, trying it, and I was looking at them how they are going to eat it. Plus, they use, like, forks and knives. So <laughs> if they use that, we can do that as crispy as we like. So we had to soften them up a little bit. So whatever choice you, you choose how to eat them, it'll be perfect for that. If you want to pick it up and do bites, a soft crepe will hold and it'll be really tasteful. But also if you want to share it with somebody or just use forks and knives to eat it, it'll be good for that as well. That's why we changed the soft crepe, a little bit more softer than, than back home. Hey there, listeners. We'll get back to my guest in a minute, but I got to remind you one more time about certified Piedmontese. In fact, I will never forget the first time I had certified Piedmontese, the crown jewel of my initial visit the Casa Bovina was a beautiful rib cap that was so lean and tender, it was almost silky in texture. The moment that beef hit my taste buds, I was hooked. These animals are raised all natural on a network of family ranches across the Midwest, so Certified Piedmontese is able to cut out the middleman and buy directly from the source. And while I highly encourage you to check out Casa Bovina, you can savor this beef at home, too. Whether you order off Piedmontese.com or by calling one 800 your purchase will be shipped directly to your front door. Plus, when you use my discount code HOPPEN, H-O-P-P-E-N, you get 25% off your order. How can you beat that? So what are you waiting for? Get some steaks, burgers, bacon, or other meats and experience the certified Piedmontese difference for yourself today. And now, back to my guest. I know, like, you guys aren't going to, you know make fun of customers or anything but when you see someone using a fork and a knife on a crepe does part of you just go that's not how it's supposed to be eaten like you don't eat a burger with a fork and a knife what are you what are you doing so we we understand part of it as i said other crepe places not in not in omaha but where i've seen some uh, in the u.s they do like really soft crepes that's why people are used to eating them like that mm-hmm. so we need to try to change that not like making fun of people mm-hmm. we don't want to do that right right yes i, I shouldn't have said that <laughs> you, you would never make fun of someone but you're just trying to um educate yeah. that they can yes. be eaten on the go um nils obviously you know we, we've talked about it sofra is is if as far as I know in the Omaha area the only 
mm-hmm. crepe forward restaurant. Is that something that you really missed growing up here after moving? Absolutely. Um, and, you know, I go back, uh, back home um, at, at least once a year, um, I try to. And uh, it's definitely um, a choice for me every time I, I go out to eat um, back home. So, um, you know, it wasn't something that you could, uh, especially in the 2000s, uh, that you could find in Omaha um, very easily. Uh, or if you did, it was at a diner, like Chris said, with a bunch of, um, you know, whipped cream on it and uh, only came in a, in a sweet form. So, um yeah, it's 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 an item that I love, and that's why I wanted to um, establish th- this idea with Chris here in Omaha and, and try something new. And it's it's been very successful. And um, you know, um, we thank everybody that that comes out there and supports us. Um, it, it was challenging at first because it's a brand new idea, brand new product, uh, in a way, uh, to the Omaha market, and you're competing with stuff that people are used to uh you know their whole life uh, like the burgers and the pizzas so um being up there compared to those items um has been um you know uh, pat on the back for for chris for the the great job that he's done there um because it's not it's not easy mm-hmm. uh, to change somebody's mind that that has been um you know that has had those items in their in their head their, their whole life whenever they go go eat out mm-hmm. so you mentioned this a little bit earlier, and it's on your website as well, that uh, you guys owned a line of creperies in, in Eastern Europe. Can you kind of get into that background a little bit and, and just explain what your business was like? So is the it's the same as here, probably. I can, I can say it's the same as here, but we do some extra items here. So in Albania, we... We do also like waffles and some other cones, ice cream. We put ice cream on crepes. But as I said, we are limited here. We can't do all that stuff here. But yeah, it started like, I, I can say 12 years ago with my mom and uncle and then Nils. So we started there. I've been working there all my life, all the time. So to perfect the ideas, to add more items on the menu there and... When it reached a point, I said to Nils, like, let's do one in Omaha, since you live there. <laughs> and that's where we came with the idea, and uh, we just did it here. And as Nils said, it worked really good. We we feel like we have done a good job, but we can improve on some things, so we are trying to work on that as well. well there's a lot of potential to expand here in the States. Um, obviously, I mean, even going into uh, a customer's buying power compared to what it is there. Um, you know, uh, even the cost of ingredients, which sometimes is the same as uh, back back in Europe, um, if not cheaper. Um, and so um, the potential of expansion here and, and uh, customer buying power uh, were two main reasons um, to expand to the States. So... And obviously for me being here in Omaha for, for right. some time. Well, yeah. How much of it was on your end saying, hey, I think that this is, I, I know this market. This market isn't necessarily familiar with this product yet. But mm-hmm. based off of what I've seen, I think that there's a niche here. What was it about Omaha that made you think, 
they don't know what this is yet, but yeah. I think that they're really going to like it. Yeah. You know, I think uh, Omaha's food scene has grown dramatically uh, over the last 15 years since probably yeah 2004 2005 onward uh, it's been uh, crazy growth a, a lot of different varieties and that's where i saw the opportunity uh, of you know there is room for an item that that Oma's not typically used to um, just like there's been room for a lot of other varieties that have come up and um, uh, like Alcarant in, in Benson or other restaurants that are have done a fantastic job um, and so you know that's that's when I approached Chris and you know I've seen uh, in Denver or in Colorado or in, in Florida and some other places where crepes are popular there are certain places where you know they uh, they do a great job they have a lot of customers uh, and uh, you know, it was time that Omaha had that as well with the growth, the growth that it's had in the last 10, 15 years. Mm-hmm. So when you, as you're starting to conceptualize your business, and we got into this a little bit with the menu, you know, you guys have experience running creperies, but there are things that you're going to have to adjust about the creperies that you have in Europe mm-hmm. compared to what you're putting in America and in Omaha specifically other than the menu, like what other aspects of the business did you have to make adjustments to kind of fit what Omahans expect from a restaurant? Uh, except the menu, I can't think of something that we need that we had to fix. Just some small things or where to place all the stuff. Like we, when we designed all the all the shop there in Innerdale, all the things were like the fridges, the crepe makers, and all that. Because there are some regulations here in, in Omaha. I don't know about other states. So everything needs to be under the under the hood, for example. But we don't cook anything, like with grease and on, on the crepe makers. So we thought in the beginning that we could put those crepe makers in front as they are supposed to be. That's how we work in, in Albania. So those crepe makers are in front so people can watch you do the crepes with fresh ingredients and all that. Uh, but... It wasn't a possibility, so we had to adapt about that, like changing, putting the grills in the back and putting the fridge in front. But we are working with the, with the management company to put those crepe makers in front right now so people can see when when we cook and can see how the crepes are made. It, it's easier for them to, to see when, when the crepe makers are in front. So that's what I think we, need. we had to adapt, and the menu otherwise... We did have to add some tater tots and cheese curds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> two, two things that we don't have in Europe. We love our fried potatoes and <laughs> yeah. cheese here yes. in America. Yeah. Uh, what? So you got you guys uh, were part of the original, the founding lineup of the Inner Rail Food Hall um, in Exarbin when it opened in October 2019. What made that an attractive location for you to to open up in? Um, I think it was a really good first step in terms of um, uh, the size of the restaurant uh, that uh, we were able to operate in, uh, the location, uh, which is very a very walkable location. The idea is also very walkable, um, you know, and, and which is something that we all need more of, especially in Omaha with how much driving we do. Um, you know, there is the advantageous uh, side of having a garage there uh, literally 
right behind the food hall attached to it uh, so rain or snow or anything else you know you can park in the garage and customers can walk in uh, obviously there's no drive-through uh, but uh, the walkability side of it and the atmosphere that it creates uh, especially in in the front there uh, by the inner rail it was just a fantastic idea uh, and it was it was hard to pass up as a, especially as a, as a first step for us into this market uh, compared to you know um, going into a 10-year lease uh, at a place that you have to build out yourself um, and um, hire everybody out this was more it felt more like a, a team effort um, with the investor side and and the architects and engineers and, and equipment managers and everybody involved uh, to make every bay happen um, so I think it's a perfect idea for a new concept too, because yeah. if there's if there's a standalone restaurant called Sofra Crepery, it requires more of a commitment to walk in there and say this is the restaurant I'm choosing. Because you're not going to walk in, mm-hmm. kind of be curious, and then walk out. Probably exactly. you're, you're going to like th- th- it feels like a level of commitment. But at the food hall, you can kind of explore and you can be like, oh, Sofra, mm-hmm. what's this? You can go look at the menu on the wall. Yeah. You can see Chris making the crepes there. And then you can kind of understand what it is before you fully commit. And, and there are other restaurants there that can draw mm-hmm. people in. Like, I'll be perfectly honest, the first time that I visited Sofra, I actually came to go to Rogomo. Mm-hmm. And I went there and because she hand makes the dough every day, she was out of dough so she couldn't make her sandwiches anymore. So my mm-hmm. wife and I were looking around and we're like, hey, let's go to Sofra. And we loved it. And we've yeah. been repeat customers several times since. So I think being in that inner rail location really yeah. benefits you guys yeah. as a new concept because it kind of lowers that barrier Absolutely. to getting people to come. And they're just like, hey, let's, I'll yeah. give this a shot. This sounds like a fun yeah. time. I got to say, I mean, that was probably one of the biggest yeah, that's points. What, that's what we thought in the, in the beginning. Yeah. Like, let's stay inside this food hall where people will come to eat a burger yep. and we can be noticed more. As you said, standalone needs more more attention from us, more hands out marketing and all that to, to, mm-hmm. to bring people in. But when when we saw that location with all that patio and the diversity inside, so we have like dumplings and burgers, pizza, crepes, too much, too many stuff. <laughs> it's like you, you can eat, so you can be a group of 10 and each one of, of of the group can pick a different food so that's why we love that idea being inside the food hall and as you said we'll be more noticed by the people who eat a burger then the next day would come there i'm gonna try crepes or vice versa some people will come to eat crepes and they will find out rugamo or dumplings and all the food that we we serve there It's been great for us to, you know, having uh, both savory and sweet items. You'll get somebody that will have a savory crepe and then a sweet one afterwards, or they'll have uh, um, either a, um, you know, a sushi or or a burger, and then come eat a sweet crepe afterwards. Uh, so it's pretty consistent um, for us and for the menu that, that we've established. So um, it's been great to to capture customers from from different sides and different perspectives when you first opened remembering back how much did you have to explain the concept to people because it is something very new Mm -hmm. or did people get it pretty quickly 
Uh, I would say it was not so difficult explaining the product because people would get it, how to eat it, or either even if they use like forks and knives, they really love the crepes. Mm-hmm. So it was a little bit challenging, but not too much. It was just the how busy we were in the beginning because we were really busy. We didn't expect that. So that was the tough challenge mm-hmm. for us, like making those crepes really fast and good crepes, not bad crepes. <laughs> and uh, that, that was the challenging part with dealing with how much how much people we got in the first three months, but teaching them how to eat them or otherwise it was not so difficult. So you're busier than expected. Yeah, we were yeah. way busier than you expected. You would see this guy in, a, in the cooler <laughs> trying to, <laughs> trying to trying cool, cool off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it was, you know, it's a good problem to have, but certainly challenging. Uh, Chris definitely knows what busy is. Um, and same thing, you know, he, he was used to that. Um, back home ever since uh, when he started um, in a very you know it started from a very small shop and uh, busy and I mean you know the full meaning of the word you know for four or five hours straight with the line um, um, of customers so and and also we did some concerts back home mm. so we did also like catering we did like an enormous one it was, was a it was a techno concert was a three day long 24 hour music <laughs> so we had to stay up like all three of those days just working with crepes and probably there will busy you're probably working 20 hours out of 24 yeah. and just, that just was, resting yeah, four that, hours that was crazy that was crazy <laughs> so that you're was, used to the uh, grind yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah yeah you were ready for I, it i was used to that but i didn't expect that in oma in the first months that's why i said it was a little bit challenging mm-hmm. well i remember back in 2019 like the inner rail was Omaha's got a couple of food halls now, but the inner rail was kind of the first like real built out yeah. one that was specifically a food hall. This isn't like a mall food court or anything, but this is That's here true. for food and for drinks. Like it was a big deal and there was a lot of excitement yeah. about it. What do you guys remember about that first day being open when the doors opened for the first time? <laughs> so, we really love the idea, as you said, it's like, it's only for food, it's not inside a mall. So we love that idea also to see what they did on Exarban, on that area, like with all the parks, and I love the patio personally, but to see those door opening the first days, it was like, I, as I said, I didn't expect that many people, but when we started to get used to it, every day working from eight to nine, it was pretty busy doing breakfast crepes and we had farmers market back then so it was pretty crazy a little bit scary but uh, <laughs> scary good so not bad yeah it was, it was really um uh, eye-opening for us uh, the whole project was um a phenomenal idea um you know by the nautil group and um it was uh like i said earlier a collaborative effort a team effort from all sides uh to make it happen um a lot of uh, you know interviews back then uh, and uh, a lot of tv spots as well uh, as as you said the interrail was first food hall you know, a lot of people came in a group of 10 or a family and nobody had to fight anymore. No, <laughs> you know, what, what do you want to eat? Thing, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and being in that, in that neighborhood is, is fantastic. I mean, it's one of the best areas of that Omaha has to offer, whether it's for, you know, eating or, uh, living, um, uh, or working. And, um, it's, uh, something that we need more of and, and 
less driving, <laughs> please. You know, whenever I go to big cities, it's it's great to you know it's easy to put in eight, ten, twelve thousand steps a day. Um, you know, you go check out different places uh, to eat or to drink, etc. And um, I hope Omaha moves more towards that. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of the Interrail's original inhabitants have moved on since it opened in uh, 2019. Five of the original 10 are still present. You guys, obviously, mm-hmm. one of those five. And, you know, we don't need to say anything bad about the other businesses or why they're not there anymore. Mm-hmm. But why or what is it about SOFR do you think that has allowed you guys to su- to sustain that success? That's a That's a difficult question. So... Maybe because we are one of a type business here in Omaha and crepes are not so easy to find. That's why we kept we kept pushing forward also with the pandemic. But mm-hmm. the thing is that also those restaurants didn't just walk away because it was not busy or whatever. Right. It's just the pandemic was like a tough, tough period for us. So I think that's when some of them some of them changed. But for us as I said, we are one of the only creperies, uh, as I know, in town, like they do only crepes. That's why we, we pushed a little bit harder through all this tough period and, uh, and we'll still keep pushing there. But uh, I can't think reasons why. I think, I mean, I think the, the product speaks for itself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, everybody that was there originally and all those that will will come in the future uh have had great products and and will always have great products um but um the product speaks for itself and the pandemic as well it's it's been the hardest thing that restaurants and hotels uh can ever endure on you know um if you look at last hundred years of how much uh how much um the restaurant industry hotel industry have progressed this was definitely the the toughest thing that uh, that any of them uh, could see so can you guys pull back the curtain on that a little bit because i think in general in general diners understand like we've been told time and time again the pandemic has just hit restaurants so hard restaurants are mm-hmm. really struggling in the pandemic and and there are some obvious reasons why that is but I think this is a good opportunity for you guys to just kind of pull back the curtain and let us see inside what what has made this the most difficult time for restaurants potentially ever. Um, I think uh, the biggest challenge, um, biggest challenge is obviously people uh, not going out to eat um, something that they really enjoyed doing before the pandemic. And there's, you know, last several months, I, I could say have People have started going back to that. Um, you know that we all live a life. We all try to you know um, sustain our, ourselves and our families and, and make money to, in order to have a good time, to go out and to to enjoy ourselves. And um, that's been the most challenging part: is is uh, people staying at home um, or going to a drive-through um, of uh, you know a popular chain. Um, instead of instead of going to a place that uh, um, where they go sit down because there's an ongoing pandemic and uh, you know and with every right nobody wants to 
catch this virus or any any other virus or anything else that, that might be out there. Uh, but um, uh, that's what that's been the most challenging part, and I hope that it's something that we can put behind us um hopefully this summer um you know it's been uh, over two years now about two years uh since the pandemic started at first it was like you know we couldn't believe it it, you know you were watching outside the window at home like aliens are gonna (laughs) come out of the sky you know um but seeing the food hall uh the creperie and a lot of other restaurants completely deserted and empty at first it was like from how busy chris was to having to go in the cooler just to cool off and 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 take a breather uh to going into march and everybody's locked up in homes um yeah we would go there just to clean just to sanitize and we watch all that patio empty with the sun outside the really nice weather and warm and we just kept thinking like how busy would we be if it was yeah. just a normal day mm-hmm. so that was a little bit uh scary yeah going outside there and watching all the roads empty and when you own a restaurant that's that's a difficult part because you know that you have to keep grinding but when people are forced to stay home that's that's a tough challenge for us yeah but uh, we had to keep pushing, so we did like to go order. But as Neil said, like all the people weren't safe safe to go and sit down, and they would go to just a drive-through because it's easier and it's safer, if I can say. So we had to yeah. to invent new ideas how to bring people or to do like catering. To we did also donation uh, catering that mm-hmm. we had to do to a church. So we kept ourselves busy. So if if yeah. not, we'll just close the doors. Even know. even with employees, I mean, obviously, a lot of reduced hours. I mean, um, you know, thankfully we uh, we didn't let anybody go, but um, a lot of reduced hours. I mean, there was no way around it. Um, and then, of course, as the pandemic kept going on. Uh, now you're talking into a new era of you know all this inflation talk and. Uh, pricing of, of uh, food that is absolutely astronomical. Um, um, I mean, some of the ingredients that are three to four times the price that they were from a year Sheesh. ago. Um, so I, I'm sure there's a lot of restaurants that are dealing with 30, 40, if not 50% food cost, um, which is way, way too high. Uh, so, But you also can't raise your prices... Fifty percent or eighty percent, but otherwise, customers going to get sticker yeah, shock. Exactly, and so there's a lot of places, whether they're chains or whether it's small business like us, that are um, that have to eat a lot of that cost um, in order to you know to see where this thing, this thing goes. To be honest, uh, it's just a weird time that we're all living in uh, mm-hmm. last couple of years. So. Well, hopefully things are getting better. Yeah, uh, they're certainly getting better on the health front, I think, and hopefully like yeah. supply chains and, and things like that start to smooth out a little bit more. But I don't want to end talking about the pandemic. Yeah. We talked <laughs> too much about the pandemic over the last couple of years. I want to end on a positive note, and that's just the concept of crepes is something that is clearly very important to you guys. Just watching mm-hmm. you talk about them, like this is it's more than just a food item to you mm-hmm. it, it's something that's a part of your background nils you said you you love going back home and when mm-hmm. you go back home you have to get a crepe and obviously you know chris you've been working in these kitchens for like crepes are a part of you guys's mm-hmm. lives mm-hmm. Yeah. 
most Omahans, myself included, would not have experienced a crepe without you. Mm-hmm. Like you brought that into our <laughs> world and were our first exposure to it and allowed us to see what this awesome food item mm-hmm. could be for the first time. What does that mean to you to be able to take something that is special to you, especially something from your home, and introduce it to a whole new group of people? It feels really great. Like when we see the feedback or reviews, I ask a lot for reviews, like honest reviews, because sometimes people just say like, oh, yeah, it was good and that, that's it. <laughs> But I'll, I'll just like insist to make the product also better, right? To, to improve and in every way. But to feel all the customer returning and me and Nils were, yeah, feel pretty, pretty good. And we'll try to expand in Omaha and reach out to more people and to present the idea of crepes and uh, try to work harder. <laughs> yeah, we've been very thankful in, in creating a lot of uh, a return customer base and a lot of folks from from West Omaha or even further away that uh, even some from, from Lincoln or from, uh, we had some from Kearney that uh, that came came by. In, uh, South Dakota, I think. In South Dakota, yeah. A group yeah. <laughs> that comes from South Dakota, a group of girls. Uh, yeah. They come like once a month, I think. Just Those are dedicated just to your crates, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. yeah, I talked with them and they say that I don't know where they go, but I just stop once a month just to eat sweet crepes. So, I'm, I'm, so as you said, <laughs> we 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 presented this idea. It's well well received, and we are glad. We are really happy about that. Now, those are my kind Absolutely. of people right there. Yeah. People who are just who are going to drive like multiple hours just for one specific <laughs> yeah. meal. That's my people. Yeah. All right, thank you so much, guys, for coming on the show. I I just I want anyone who's listening to this, if you haven't experienced crepes you have to go to sofra you have to at least try this concept because it is i mean we've laid it out for you it's not only delicious it's portable it's healthy there's really not a downside mm-hmm. to it that i can think <laughs> no. of plus you get to see chris hard at work go put him to work so he has to go stand in the freezer for a couple minutes and cool off uh nils and chris thank you so much guys for coming on the thank show this is a real us. pleasure thank you dan appreciate thank it you. thank you for having us all right and omaha as always thanks for eating with us a media production